0: If you're younger than school age, you get to go down this week. If you're older than 13, you get to go down this week. If you all leave, I will be slightly, you know. (laughs) If you're a little person and you want to stay up, there's some activities and some snacks in there for you that will give you something to do while your big people are listening. Okay, so our series began last week with the genealogy of Matthew, really exciting stuff, that long list of names, each name holding an individual story, each story enfolded into the wider story of God's redeeming work. And we made this paper chain uh, to symbolize that genealogy and that, that unfolding story From generation to generation, the story has been unfolding through the birth of each new generation. We saw that in the genealogy. A woman gave birth to a child. Many hands came around that child and raised that child. It's so ordinary, isn't it? And when we zoom in close, it's kind of hard to see how each generation might be propelling that story of love forward. But when we zoom out and we look at the generations and the generations that are all unfolded together in this story of divine love. It's encouraging. So today we are going to consider Mary's yes uh, to the angel, to birth the Christ child, uh, despite this fear that she might have known. And the same questions that Ruth asked the kids are questions that I'm going to give you a chance to talk about with each other. So I'd like you to be thinking about a time in your life when you said yes to something that felt uncomfortable or a little bit scary and what gave you the courage to say yes. Okay. So be thinking about that. Before we move into the story, though, Ever, I would like to do just a bit of an exercise to ground you in your own body, your own unfolding story to help you be present to this moment. So I invite you to just kind of get a little comfortable in your chair Maybe you want to close your eyes, maybe you want to just have like a soft gaze where you're not really focusing on anything and that you um, just take a couple deep breaths at your own pace. I invite you to tighten your fist and then release the tension. Now, tighten your shoulders up, scrunch up, constrict, and then release that tension. Kind of roll your head slowly as you're able to loosen up your neck. And then just notice, just pay attention to any other place in your body that might be feeling a little tired or constricted, a place where Your worry likes to take up space. And now take a deep breath and imagine that that breath going to that constricted place that holds your worry, that holds your fear. Imagine that breath circling around that place of fear. Imagine that breath whispering to your body, be not afraid, and continue to breathe slowly, relaxing the tight parts of you as best you're able. And now, I just invite you to open your hands, just just open your fingers up and release. For this moment, whatever worry you're holding, opening yourself to the mystery and the miracle of Emmanuel, God with us. Take one more deep breath. And now I invite you to listen again to this story, this time read from the Jerusalem Bible, slightly different translation. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. He went in and said to her, rejoice, O oh so highly favored one. The Lord is with you. And she was deeply disturbed by these words and asked herself what this greedy could mean. But the angel said to her, Mary, do not be afraid. You have won God's favor. Listen, you will conceive and bear a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and his reign will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this come about? I am a virgin, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you, the angel answered, and the power of the Most High will cover you with its shadow. And so the child will be holy and called the Son of God. And know this too, your kinswoman Elizabeth has, in her old age, herself conceived a son, and she whom people called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible to God. I am the handmaid of the Lord, said Mary. Let what you have said be done, and the angel left her. That, there's a Greek word buried in there. Not sure if I can pronounce it correctly. Craig, I hear you're on Skype. Wish you were here. I think it's diatarakte. It's translated perplexed. Could also mean disturbed, agitated, deeply troubled. That was Mary's first response to the movement of God in that room. I think as human beings, we really like the status quo, don't we? We like things to be comfortable inside our comfort zones. And yet, if you think about it, some of the biggest, biggest yeses of your life took you outside of a comfort zone and therefore probably accompanied by a little bit of nerves, a little bit of fear. And so I want to invite you to turn to the people around you and um, get into groups of, of, of twos, threes, fours, the bigger the group, the less time you'll have. So consider that. And just um, talk about this. Like, have you had this experience that maybe you didn't have an angel come and say, would you like to bear the Messiah? But, you know, what have, when have you known a time when a yes, which you maybe sensed would be good, was also scary, You might even be bold and stand up and talk to somebody who's not your spouse. What do you think? You can also share what helped you say yes. What gave you courage? Hopefully you've you've each had a chance to share. Um, If not, it's another question that you can take up with each other. I think it's so important to see how these stories of scripture have so much in common with our own stories, how they're little little portals into the ways that God has been working in our lives. I remember being 29 years old and finished my ordination requirements for the Presbyterian Church USA. I was living in Philadelphia and just got this call out of the blue, inviting me to come and apply for a job. As a pastor of an international church in the Philippines. And I remember just my heart just sunk. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, this feels like God. And this is really scary. I said yes. And then I called them back and I said no. For those of you who know me know that's a little bit of a pattern in my life. Yes, no, yes, no. And then he said, well, and when I said no, he's like, Ann, why don't you think about it? Call me back in an hour. Make sure that's what you really want. And I went out on this dark, cold October evening and just walked around and cried around my neighborhood. I just didn't want to leave my family. I just didn't want to. i had been in the Philippines. I knew what it was like. I knew what would be required of me. But at the same time, I felt that pull, right? That invitation, and I remember coming to this place where I realized, oh my, I, you know, I don't, it's hard to say yes, but I don't think I can say no. Like, I just sense this, you know, something's there waiting for me to discover and explore and grow. Like, if God's drawing me into it to say no to that, that's a, that's a hard thing. Like, hope oh, they'll be missing. And I don't know what my life would have been like if I'd stayed in Philadelphia, but I know I wouldn't be here. I know I wouldn't have celebrated my daughter's 24th birthday this week. I know I wouldn't be married to Craig. I wouldn't be living in a community on a farm. Wouldn't have had this beautiful opportunity of living four years on the prairies, being a chaplain. Wouldn't have lived in England for 10 years. Like so much of who I became came from that one night of walking around the block and getting up the courage to say yes. But Mary's yes to bearing Jesus was also saying yes to the really complicated nature of loving. There's this book I remember reading at about that time uh, called A Severe Mercy. Has anybody read that book? It's by this um, man, Sheldon Van Ocken. And he wrote this line, which I held in my little heart in my 20s. So if he wanted the heights of joy, he must have it, it, if he could find it, great love. But in the books, again, great joy through love always seemed to go hand in hand with frightful pain. Still, he thought, looking out across the meadow, still the joy would be worth the pain if indeed they went together. If there was a choice, and he suspected there was, a choice between on the one hand the heights and the depths, and on the other, some sort of safe, cautious middle way. He, for one here and now chose the heights and the depths. And I wonder if that's what Mary was thinking too, when she faced this moment, there was a safe, cautious middle way, right? Turning away from the angel and continuing the life allotted to her by her society, this betrothal to Joseph, or there was this strange way this heights and depths of saying yes to something as absurdly beautiful as burying the Messiah, the Christ child. And let us acknowledge that it was saying yes to both joy and sorrow, both the sweetness of Jesus's little little hand curled around her thumb as a baby and the outright terror of watching those same hands stretched out, taut and bloody pinned to wood. Joy and sorrow sharp as swords, Tolkien said. I see this in my own life. The decisions I've made to say yes to the movement of God have also brought about some of the deepest sorrows. It's not a happily ever after life. It's just a story of love with all its complexity. And we can't theologize away the fear and separate the anguish from the joy, we can't tidy it up. Instead of tidying up the luminosity, yet gut-wrenching vulnerability of love, can we sit with Mary and let the courage rise up despite our fear? Now, here's the thing I've noticed about myself. I wonder who might relate to this. When I was a child, I loved playing with grasshoppers. There's a lot of grasshoppers in Ohio and Pennsylvania. But when I grew up, I noticed I didn't really like the way they left orange stains in my hands. And I didn't like the feel of them clacking against my little hand. And so the older I got, the less inclined I was to catch the grasshoppers. And I think it's sometimes maybe like that as we grow up. We're more and more tempted to not pick up the grasshopper, to stay in that cautious middle way. But it does seem to me that when God beckons us, there is always this element of uncomfortableness, this element of vulnerability and risk, this little sliver of fear. I just want to acknowledge and name that actually we as a church are living with this right now. As a leadership team, we'll be meeting to talk about this, this very month. You see, I have this feeling that we who are spacious and welcoming and affirming Christians, that we have this high and holy invitation to make safe spaces where people can know God's radical, unconditional love, where that can become incarnate in our midst. And I believe we have this high and holy calling of being that space for each other. And I believe we have this high and holy calling to be that safe space for our youth. And I think this next generation is going to be carrying a really heavy load They're inheriting a world that has a lot of challenges, and I feel this desire to create more relational safe spaces where they can come and be known, where they can be empowered, where they can hear that God has a vision for their lives that is wider than what our world offers, and they need spaces for this, and I can't do it on my own. It's been two years since Angela stepped down. And Jen and Katie and Jamie and I have been stepping into the gap and holding space for our youth. And I've taken over the kids groups downstairs, but it's not a long-term solution. And I feel it's time. I feel it in my gut. We can't wait. So I've asked for this halftime position and I, I don't know what God's going to do. I don't, I don't, I could be wrong. I'm not claiming to be the voice of God, but I just have this groaning inside myself. And I ask that you to be in prayer for us because I do have this longing, right? To make space for the Christ childs growing up in our midst. I wonder if what part of that gave Mary the courage to say yes was this incredible scope of her vision. She seemed to realize that the personal and intimate encounter she had with the angel and her yes had this this cosmic dimension. She glimpsed the scale and scope of what she was being asked, that the Messiah would bring about collective liberation for her people and like we heard last week, be a blessing for all the families of the earth. So it's very personal and private, yes to God, which was Mary's story, led to the creation of Mary's song, which was so vast in its scope, right? So radical. So what did Mary pass on to us? Like, yeah, she passed on Jesus, right? We, we know that. But I also think she passed on this cosmic vision that our personal and intimate yeses to God, can have cosmic implications that we might never see. That we, by saying yes to God, bear things into being, both tangible and intangible, that will ripple through generations. Some of you have become patrons for Joy's art. Some of you bought Lemon Loaf to help fund those pieces of art. These images will shape us. They'll shape Joy when she makes them. They'll outlive us. We're bringing something into being that never existed. Who knows the cosmic implications of the art? Some of you step forward to support Jess and her cancer. You're holding this net of love for her and her children while she labors for her life. Who knows the cosmic implications of our generosity? So when we look at what we're doing close up, it might smell small and ordinary, those things you do every day for the people you love might feel small and ordinary. The seeds you're planting, the children in school that you're counseling, they might feel small and ordinary. But when we scan out the labor we do as part of this wider story, we're enfolded within this fabric of divine love. I read this morning that Iran has agreed to dismantle the morality police. Did anybody read that? Right? The death of one young woman, tragic, and the courage of so many other have made this shift. Our ordinary yeses to the invitation of God caught up in the unfolding story of liberation. So when the angel came to Mary, she was perplexed. She was confused and afraid. The angel's news is, don't be afraid, (laughs) And so for generations, God has been showing up in the midst of our fear and uncertainty and confusion and danger and oppression in the midst of scarcity, come join me. And people have said yes, even when they felt over their heads or ill-equipped or inadequate or apprehensive. I want to end by just looking at this image. This is the sanctified art image. It's called Mary's Golden Annunciation. The artist's name is Kamel another word I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce correctly, "Bugaline." And I liked this image. I said to Karen this morning, it strikes me like uh, maybe God's saying, hey, Mary, do you want to play ball? <laughs> this is how she describes her image. And Mary's yes, uttered in her magnificat, we see the transformation of a young teenage girl from fearful to determined, from simply accepting to deciding from passivity to agency, from betrothed to surrogate mother of God, an honor rarer than gold. And perhaps the most remarkable annunciation in this passage is not the messenger's revelation to Mary, but Mary's yes to the call. And I'd like to end with this other quote from sanctified art. The Christmas narrative is that it isn't simple. It isn't just one person's story during a single year. It is the story of Mary and Joseph, of the shepherds and the magi, of Elizabeth and John. It's also the story of Ruth and Jesse and David and Isaiah, all these individual threads over centuries woven together into the story of God's unconventional inbreaking. And the Christmas story is ours too. The tapestry of God is weaving did not stop in Bethlehem. Our own threads weave into the narrative of God's incarnation in the world. Roland, would you come on up and lead us in prayer? Nancy, maybe you can give the kids like a five minute warning that they'll be coming up soon. But maybe to, maybe Scott can come and listen for the prayer to be over and then go get them finally. But sometimes they need that warning.